Come on. It's good to see everybody this morning. Good looking bunch. Turning your Bible to the book of the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to be Matthew chapter number 28. You know, this morning, since we were able to celebrate the two baptisms this morning, I thought it was a perfect time for us to talk about this subject of baptisms. Baptisms, what it is and who should be baptized, why they should be baptized and all of those things. But as we get into it, I was reminded of a story that a preacher friend of mine told that, uh, about another pastor. And what this guy was doing was he'd gone to, um, it was like a mission and uh, they, were, they were feeding homeless people and, and, and things like that. And so the way that it was set up, people would come in they would get a Bible. The men, it was, it was for men. It was a men's group. They would come in. They would grab a Bible out of the box in the back, right? And it was, uh, you know how it is, donated Bibles, right? Churches that donated Bibles. Because I don't know if you know this, but churches always have extra Bibles laying around, right? You let a lady forget her purse, she'll call us before she gets to the Mexican restaurant. Amen? But she, if she leaves her Bible, eh, maybe it'll be there next Sunday when I come back, okay? And so there always ends up being all kinds of extra Bibles laying around. And so these have been donated by churches. And how it would work, the men would come in, grab a Bible, grab a seat. They would sing a song. Uh, the preacher would preach. And then everybody would get to go eat. And so this young man, this young preacher in his early 20s was doing this. And he was sitting there leaned up against the piano waiting for all the guys to get in. And this one big gnarly looking, just big old gnarly looking dude comes in and he, he grabbed a Bible walks up to the preacher and slams it down and he says I don't use no RSV version I don't use a revised standard version Bible and that preacher looked at him with wisdom and said well, man what kind of Bible you want <laughs> what, what, what can I do you for and he said I'm a King James man I'm a King James man that's all I read and that preacher said, all right, then, man, we'll get you a King James Bible. We're going to hook you up. So they went and found it. Now, the reason why I'm sharing this story with you is, according to this pastor, this isn't a guy who probably owned a Bible or he could have brought his own King James Version Bible with him. He didn't read the Bible. He didn't think about the Bible, wasn't into God, wasn't really into Jesus or going to church or any of those things. But for some reason, when he picked up that Bible and it wasn't a King James Bible, it triggered something in him, this emotional response of, hey, I don't read the Bible, but if I was, it's going to be the King James and that's it. Now listen, I'm not talking this morning about Bible translations. I've got my opinions on that. But what I'm trying to show you is that this is an emotional issue. That over the years, this issue of baptism, over the years I have talked to people who don't go to church, not really that much into this Jesus thing, and don't really like talking about Jesus all that much. But if you mention baptism buddy all of a sudden you can almost sense the emotion in them and the tenseness and they're just you know and they've just got all these opinions uh and it's really emotional i mean th even people that pay no attention to god at all let them have a baby next thing you know they bring that baby down to the church house and they're like here will you baptize our baby and we're like no write this down i want you to understand this baptism is an emotional subject for a lot of people. So I want you to understand that on the front end. Baptism is an emotional subject 
for a lot of people. And to be completely honest, much like this gentleman who was King James only, uh, um, many people, when it comes to their baptism, they have an opinion that's based not on any kind of research or Bible study that they've done or anything like that. It's based on like the family they grew up in, the denomination or the church they grew up in. And it's kind of like whatever they said and however it went for them, that's what we do. Okay, that's how we do it. I want you to understand that baptism is an incredibly extraordinary, impactful event in the life of a person when it's done the right way. And it's important that we, it's so important that we've decided to spend this whole Sunday morning just talking about this one thing. Now, when you read the New Testament, what you see, here's what happens. A person places their trust and faith in Christ, and then they follow that up and get baptized. Look at this next slide. I trust Christ for salvation, then I am baptized. That's what you see every time in the New Testament. There's no other uh, order of events. This is what happens. I've trusted Christ. Then I follow through and get baptized. Matter of fact, here's what uh, Jesus said. These are his last words before he ascended to the right hand of the Father. So I imagine they're pretty important. Matthew 28, look in your Bible, and verse number uh, 19. Matthew 28, verse 19. Jesus said... Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus commands the church to go and make disciples and to baptize. So the church says, yes, sir, and we do what Jesus has called us to do. That's why we baptize. That's why we had this baptism this morning. And down throughout history, men, women, boys, Girls who have placed their faith and trust in Christ have followed that by being baptized, following their salvation. And this is kind of the thing I want to address this morning because, the, to be honest, most denominations and probably most churches, they take baptism and it's this thing that is shoved way up to the beginning of somebody's life. Maybe when they're an infant or a baby, Right. And I don't, and how they get there when get a baptism attached to the physical birth, when you read in the New Testament, that never happened. Look at this next slide. There are zero, none, zero examples of infant baptism or sprinkling found in the Bible. It's not there. It's not there. Now, again, before we get too deep in this, there's one thing I want to say kind of as a warning. Maybe you've got a different church background. Maybe Lutheran or Episcopalian or, or something else. And, this, and I've known some. I've known some Lutherans and Episcopalians in my life that infant baptism was part of their church tradition. It's part of their custom. But none of my friends, nobody that I've ever talked to, has been able to explain to me why we baptize infants other than that's just kind of what we do. I don't know why. Right. So this morning, it may sound like I am attacking your your religious background, your denomination, your home church, maybe even your Nana. OK, brother Marcus is not attacking Nana. OK, what I'm saying is we're going to look at what the Bible says about baptism. Uh, let me say this. My friends, though, the ones that I've known that come from some of these different backgrounds, um, they, they come out of these backgrounds where they're not really encouraged to read the Bible. Uh, reading the Bible is not emphasized. Uh, the ones that I know. I mean, they believe the Bible's true. 
They've got one somewhere. They honor it. They, they, they love Jesus. They love God, right? They, and all of those things. But reading the Bible for themselves is just nothing that was really emphasized or pushed on them. So consequently, what you have is a religious environment where authority is placed in the church. In other words, why do you baptize infants? Why do you sprinkle? Why do you do... Well, because that's what the church says. So the authority is pushed over to the church. We do this. We're not most of the time. We're not even sure why, but we just know our church says that's what we do. So we do it. And that's a big difference between what I believe, between what Baptists historically have believed and what Grace Baptist Church believes. We believe this. Write this down. Scripture is our authority. And so everything we talk about this morning, it's not going to be based on what a church teaches, what a denomination teaches. Everything that we look at is going to be based on Scripture, the Word of God, because we believe all of our authority comes from the Word of God. We submit to the Word of God and, and way before we would a church. And so since we believe that Scripture is the authority, we're going to look and see what the Bible has to say about that. Now, as we go along, maybe you'll start to think, as we're talking about this, you'll start to think, well, why do they, and why did I, and how does she, and why did he? And you might start thinking these things. And my advice for you is to ask them. Ask them. But what you'll find is there's a big difference in the realm of Christianity between those where the church is the authority and those where Scripture is the authority. You'll see a big, big difference. So today I'm going to show you what the Bible says about baptism. Now, before we get started, I'm going to ask you to use your imaginations a little bit this morning, okay? So I want you to lock in with me and use your imagination. I want you to imagine that you're a, a, a guy, okay? You're, you're living in the, the first century. Maybe your mama's Greek and your daddy's Roman, and you believe in all the pagan gods. You believe in Zeus. He's cool. And uh, Athena and all of those things, right? You believe all those things and y'all move to Jerusalem. You go to Israel, move to Jerusalem because you're merchants and you start doing business, right? So you're interacting with all these Jewish people. And the longer that you're in Jerusalem, the longer you're around the Jews, you start hearing all of this about the fact there's one true God, one real God who created everything. And it kind of intrigues you because these Jewish people that you're living among, they're oppressed. I mean, the boot of the Roman Empire is on their neck. They're heavily taxed, yet no matter what, no matter what persecution comes, they will not let go of this idea that there's one true God and that Yahweh is his name. They won't let go of it. And so you start reading some of their writings, you start talking to them, and you start buying into this idea. Hey, man, there's something to this. One true God, Yahweh, and you read the word, and it's like, and then you ask some of your Jewish friends, you say, hey, is it possible for a Gentile, like a Greek Roman dude, to become Jewish. Is this possible? Is this something I can do? And they hook you up with a meeting. You meet with the scribes. You meet with the Pharisees. You sit down with them. And you're like, hey, I'm a Gentile, but I want to become Jewish. Is that possible? And they're like, yeah, that's possible. There's several things that a Gentile would have to do to become Jewish. And we'll start with the hardest one first. We know who's been to Sunday school. You're going to have to be circumcised, circumcised, at which moment you go, you know what? Zeus ain't so bad. 
that Athena, she's cute. I'm just going to worship these pagan gods, right? But you're like, okay, just keep going. They're like, number one, you've got to be circumcised. Number two, you've got to submit yourself to the laws of Moses. You're like, I've been reading those. I agree with those. Yeah, I think that's good. Number three, there's going to be this ceremonial meal, this like covenant meal you're going to have to eat. And you're like, awesome. I love to eat potluck. Let's go. And then uh, they're like, number four, uh, you're going to have to make a sacrifice at the temple as a Gentile. You're like, I can do that. And then number five, the last thing is you're going to have to go down into this trough, this cistern. You're going to have to go down in there and you're going to have to submerge yourself and come out of that, this ceremonial cleansing to wash away your Gentile nature and to uh, show that you're coming into being a Jew. And you say to yourself, well, I can do that too. And that last part, that ritual bath, where as a Gentile, you'd go down to this big cistern and you would submerge yourself and come out. The word that they probably would have used in that day to describe it is the word baptismo. Baptismo, it's the Greek word. It means to wash, dip, dunk, immerse, submerge. It was just a common, everyday, ordinary word, this word baptismo. Uh, the, the Titanic baptismoed. It sunk. Right? As a matter of fact, even before the time of Christ, they found on some ancient parchment, they found this doctor who also evidently loved the kitchen. And this doctor had a recipe for pickles. And part of his recipe for pickles, what it said was, you have to take these pickles and baptismo. Baptismo them into boiling water. It's just a common word, this word baptismo. Everybody used it. The point is, there's not any big theological, deep, mystical, mythical significance to this Greek word baptismo. The real confusion came about when the English translators were translating from the original text and they came to this word baptismo and when it referred to baptizing like we did this morning. And instead of saying what the word means, to wash, to dunk, to submerge, they transliterated it and they invented a brand new word that had never existed in the history of the, of the English language until that moment baptize. They just made a new word to baptize, to give it that significance of what the act actually was. Let me show it to you. Luke chapter 11, verse 37 and 38 in your notes. It says a certain Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he referring to Jesus. So he went in and sat down to eat. Verse 38. When the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed baptismoed. Same word. Same word, that same word we see is baptized in our New Testament. He had not first baptized before dinner. Baptismo. Matter of fact, look at this next slide. Here it is literally in Greek, that word that's underlined. That's the Greek word baptismo. And it, it was, uh, in Jesus' day, it, it was a religious washing, but it was a washing of the hands. It's the same word when somebody gets baptized, to wash, to submerge, to dunk. Do you know why they translated that in that verse in your English Bible to wash? Because that's what the word means. That's what the word baptismo means. It's just a common word. Okay, so you're trying to be Jewish. You went and found out what all you'd have to do to become Jewish, right? And one of those things was you, you would have to take yourself, go down into the cistern, submerge yourself, come out to symbolically represent the fact you're washing away your Gentile nature and you're taking on your Jewish nature. All right. So you decide to take this list and go talk to your wife. She's doing laundry down at the Jordan river. So you head on down to the Jordan river and, and you find your wife and you're like, Hey, how's it going? And she's like, how did your little talk with the guys about being Jewish go? You know, is this something we're going to be able to do? And, and you look at your wife and you say, well, it's going to be easier for you. 
Some of y'all get that tomorrow or you just don't care. Right? And so you're standing there and all of a sudden you hear this man ranting and raving down the river. You hear these shouts, all this shouting. So you go down there to check it out and you see this man with a wild beard, wild hair, wild outfit on. And here's what he's saying, Matthew 3 verse 2. He's out there shouting, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He said, there's somebody who's coming that's greater than me. I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes. Repent, the Messiah is coming. And you're like, what? <laughs> This guy is wild. And you ask someone, who is this guy? And they're like, that's John. His name's John. And you keep watching and this strange thing happens. As you're standing there watching, John goes out in the middle of the Jordan River. As he stands there, people start lining up and he takes them. And it's something that's never been seen before in history. He takes them and he dips, he dunks, he washes, he, he baptismos these people. He baptismos one, then here comes another. He baptismos that guy, and then here comes another. He dips, he dunks, he submerges all of these people, and you're watching him do this. And what it is, these people that are lining up, that he's dipping, he's dunking, he's submerging, all of these people, what they're doing is they, uh, they agree with John's message. All these people are identifying. He's saying, repent, the Messiah is coming. And everybody that believed it lined up and they got baptized. Baptismo. That's what John was doing. Matter of fact, it's so original, they gave him a nickname. What was his nickname? John the Baptist. John the Dipping Man. John the Washing Man. John the Dunker. John the Submerger. John the Baptist. When I was a kid, I thought, yeah, John the Baptist, Fred the Methodist, Pete the Lutheran, Missy the Pagan, right? Any Missy's here? Good, 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 good. Now, well, now we know who's not here this morning. Amen? All right, listen. John got the nickname because he was the first person in all of history. Well, like we already established, if you want to be Jewish, if come from a Gentile, you'd have to be ceremoniously washed, right? But you did that yourself. John was the first person in all of history that would take another person and submerge them and wash them and cleanse them in this ceremonious kind of way. It's the first time we've seen this. And so he gets, again, John the Baptist. And then you're standing there and you're watching John baptize these people. And then all of a sudden, John points over behind you and he says this in John 1, 29. He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then here comes this guy through the crowd. And you hear people whispering, it's Jesus. That's, Jesus. That's John's cousin. That's Jesus. He thinks he's better than everybody. That's Jesus. And here comes Jesus, and an amazing thing happens. Jesus walks down into the water, into the middle of the Jordan River, and he walks up to John and says, John, I want you to baptize me. And then John goes, no, you baptize me. Jesus goes, no, you baptize me. No, you baptize me. No, you baptize me. It's awesome. You should read your Bible. It's in there. And they did thumb war to decide who, who had to baptize who. No, and John baptized Jesus right there in the middle of the Jordan River. Look at it, Matthew 3, verse 16. By the way, it says he came up out of the water. Why did he come up out of the water? Because he was down in it. Verse 16. It said, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus leaves John the Baptist, right? And, and has his followers. John the Baptist keeps baptizing people, right? And then Jesus goes and he's got his disciples. And Jesus doesn't baptize anybody, but Jesus' disciples baptize people. Andrew, Peter, John, they're baptizing other people. And so you, now you've got these two groups that are baptizing people. And eventually John gets arrested. 
And some of John's followers decide, man, we got to take this thing nationwide. We got to take this message. The Messiah's coming. You need to repent and get right. The Messiah's coming. And I've told you about these guys before, but I love these guys. They leave Jerusalem and they just take off, right? John's in jail. We don't care. We're out of here. People need to repent. And so they go, man. And they're like, repent. The Messiah's coming. The Messiah's coming. What they don't know is while they're out there saying, repent, the Messiah's coming. Messiah's coming. He done came and went. Right? He done came, was crucified, was resurrected, and it ascended to the right hand of the Father. And they're out there like, the Messiah's coming. It's like, he's already come. And he left. And so some years go by, Paul, who was Saul, who met Jesus and got saved. And what's the first thing that Paul did when he got saved? He got what? Baptized. Baptized. So Paul, a baptized believer, he's out there sharing the gospel and he's at Ephesus and he runs into these guys and they're out there preaching. The Messiah's coming. Messiah's coming. You need to repent. You need to be baptized. The Messiah's coming. And then Paul's like, hey guys, come here. Psst. Psst. Come here. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. Where did you get this from? Where did you get your information from? They're like John the Baptist. We were disciples of John the Baptist, man, and we come out here to let people know the Messiah's coming. And Paul's like, that's great, man, but let me, there's been some new events. There's been some new things that have happened since the last time you talked to John back there. So let me kind of catch you up to date. The Messiah has come. He went to the cross. He was crucified. Third day, he was resurrected. He's ascended. He has come. The promise is here. And when they got this new information, look at it in Acts chapter 19, verse 5. Here's what he said. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Why? That's what believers do. When you believe on Christ, you get baptized. And that's what the New Testament teaches us about baptism. Everybody who puts their faith in Christ, they get washed, plunged, submerged in this, uh, in this way, in this name of Jesus. So what does that mean? What are the implications of this? Write this down. Baptism, to simplify it. It's simply a public declaration of a new association with Christ Jesus. It's a public declaration of a new association with Jesus Christ. That's all it is. Now, let's kind of filter that through what we already know from, uh, from history, what we talked about. If you wanted to become a Jew, you had to go and ceremoniously clean, baptismo yourself to wash away your Gentileness to become a Jew. When John the Baptist came and said, repent, the Messiah is coming, everybody who believed that message went to John and they were baptized to repent and show they believed that the Messiah was coming. And then when Christ came and his followers, when you believed on the name of Jesus Christ, you would go and you would follow that up with being baptized. It was everybody, if you wanted to publicly associate with Jesus Christ, baptism is what you do. It's a washing away of the old self, the old identity, and identifying with a new way of life. Very symbolic. And that's all it ultimately is. Yet many churches and denominations, we've loaded it up with all kinds of stuff, meaning things that it never meant. And again, this morning, and like I said, my, my goal is not to offend you, but hey, listen, if you ever, if you wonder, well, you know, why did they start sprinkling babies and doing baptizing and, and all that? You need to ask them. Okay, I don't have those answers. But what I do know is none of that is found in the New Testament. None of it. Zero. And the best way to understand what the New Testament says is to read it and to understand what happened. What we learn is this. Write this down. 
Didn't make it. Write this down. Baptism, you can go back. Baptism is for people who personally made a decision to follow Jesus. Who's, who's to be baptized? People who have personally had made a decision to follow Jesus. And some churches, denominations, maybe this is your background, right? What happened was you reached a certain age. They put you in a class and you went through the class. And at the end of the class, if you said the right things, right? They kind of confirmed you or a different terminology. And then you signed a paper and then you were baptized and you're a part of the church and you're a part of the kingdom of God. And perhaps no personal, real personal confession of Christ is necessary. Baptism is for people who personally, individually decided to follow Jesus. Who should be baptized? Anybody who is old enough to say, I understand what Jesus did for me. I accept that. And I want to publicly declare my faith in Christ. That's who baptism is for. Anybody who's not ashamed and not embarrassed of following Jesus. Anybody. That's why we don't baptize babies. They can't make that decision. Right? And that's why we talk to children. And I love it when Christian parents come and they say, hey, little so-and-so, he, he told me he's trusted Christ to save him as his Lord and Savior, man. And we're, woo! And buddy, we run with that. Right? Because you're a Christian parent. You know. Right? We meet with children not to talk them out of it and not to talk them into it but just to make sure that they understand. And usually children understand far more than some parents give them credit for. I've noticed a trend. We think that like most parents aren't pushing their children to be baptized. I think most parents are holding them back. And I've thought about this a great deal. And I mentioned this in the first service kind of off the top of the head, but I almost think it's an embarrassment issue. They're worried that if little Johnny comes forward and gets baptized, that a little bit later, little Johnny's going to realize he wasn't saved. And he's going to get baptized. And now mama or daddy's going to be embarrassed, you know, by that. And that does happen, right? But me, I just, I just believe kids, man. That 10-year-old is like, hey, man, I'm saved. And Jesus saved me. And I want to be baptized. And I'm just like, man, fill her up. Right? I mean, if they understand, let's go. I don't want to be a stumbling block in front of them. But sometimes we do get baptized and we weren't really saved, right? What's important is that your child can look back at a time in their life and say, this is when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I wasn't ashamed of him. And I wanted to follow through and be baptized to publicly declare my faith in Christ. That's what, that's the most, not whether the preacher likes it or we get embarrassed. That's why we don't, again, that's why we don't baptize infants because they can't make them decisions for those decisions for themselves. Nowhere in the Bible does it teach us to do that. We're not supposed to be doing that. The tragedy of that, my wife was uh, baptized as a baby. The tragedy of that, then as a, as a woman, but the tragedy of that is that when you're baptized as a, an infant, when you're sprinkled in that way, it can give you a false sense of security that you're in, whatever, that you're in, that you're okay, you're part of the church, you're part of the faith, and you're not. You're not. You were just a wet, uncomfortable baby. That's the truth. And I'm not, listen, I, I'm not trying to offend you, okay? And I'm not insulting Nana or anything like that. That's not, my, that's not what I'm wanting to do. But I think it's a tragedy to give people this false sense of security. Read your New Testament. It's not there. And why would some churches do that? I don't know. I don't know. But look at this next slide. Infant baptism or sprinkling will not come from a clear teaching of Scripture. It will not come from the Bible. Well, you'll get, well, the, well because the church, the church, the church... But you will not get the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. You might get a Bible verse, but it's going to be twisted. It's going to be, well, this is why and we think it. And then the church, the church, the church. 
infant baptism, sprinkling, it does not come from the New Testament. It just doesn't do that. I mean, what are we saying? That we have to sprinkle these, we have to uh, baptize these babies so that they're saved? Is that what saves us? No, we know better than that. Faith in Christ, right? There are churches that teach what the Bible does not teach, that baptism will save you. Your baptism won't save you. The Bible te- actually teaches the opposite. There were a couple of reasons why you know, again, there's a lot, there's so much on this subject that we could talk about. I picked the two, the lowest hanging fruit. Here's why you know that you're not saved by your baptism. Number one, because Jesus chose to be baptized. Right? Jesus, again, and he did it to identify with the message of John the Baptist in obedience to his heavenly father. Jesus chose to be baptized. He didn't need to be saved. He was salvation in human flesh. Number two, write this down. Second reason why we know is the thief. Again, I'm just picking the lowest, easiest, lowest hanging fruit. The thief. You remember the story? Jesus on the cross and that one thief. He's one of those guys that can never learn his lesson. Flapping his gums all the way up to the bitter end. And then the other thief is like, man, you need to hush it up. We deserve this. This man's righteous. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Sitting there making that profession, that confession of faith. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And what did Jesus say? Look at Luke 23, verse 43. Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. But, 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 but Jesus, I got to be baptized. Today, Jesus, I got to rededicate. Today, Jesus, I got to go to that certain denomination with that certain preacher so he can baptize me in a certain way so that I can. Today, today you will be with me in paradise. Baptism doesn't save you. You don't get to heaven because you tried hard or because you recommitted, or because you were baptized by Marcus. You go to heaven because of what Jesus did, man. And by placing your faith and trust in that, that's the only thing that'll save you. That's it. That's the essence of the Christian message. Look at this next slide. So what does this mean for you? What does that mean? That we place our trust and faith in Christ, in Christ alone. Have you done that? Are you trusting in Christ alone or is it Christ plus and plus and the church says and a little bit of me and a little bit of the church and a little bit of water or is it just Christ alone? Look at this next slide. If you've not been baptized since you put your faith in Jesus, you need to. We talk about it all the time. If you know that you got saved after your baptism, you've never been baptized. You just made the church's water bill go up. That's it. You've never been baptized. Baptism is only an act where a follower of Jesus Christ follows through with. If you get in that water and you don't know Jesus, you leave that water still not knowing Jesus. You've not been baptized. You need to be dipped, dunked, washed, baptismo. However you need to say it, you need to be baptized. We don't get a dollar every time somebody gets baptized. There's not a notch on my belt every time somebody gets baptized. An angel does not get their wings every time somebody gets baptized. But as we kind of wrap this down, do you know there's only, I talk about this a lot because it means a lot to me. There's only two things that connect all believers from all time. Two things, the Lord's Supper and baptism. The Lord's Supper and baptism. Baptism is that thing that everyone who has truly placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and they weren't ashamed and they were willing to, to go through those baptismal waters to show that publicly 
that they're associating with Jesus, that they're following and trusting Jesus, and they're not ashamed, that you're connected. This morning, these two, Kathleen and Taylor, when they were baptized, it's like a little dot, and it connects them with every other believer in this room who's been baptized, and every other believer in this state, in this country, and in the world who have followed through with biblical believers' baptism. It connects you together. It makes you part of the family of God. It makes you part of the family of God. Listen, every believer who's ever lived and that was able to go through with baptism, it connects you with all of them. The very kingdom of God. And it's special. And it's important. And it's awesome. But it does not save you. It's for the redeemed. It doesn't redeem. It's for the saved. It doesn't save. So, Brother Marcus, it's not important. No, it could be one of the most important things you ever do. Because if you're a believer here this morning, you've trusted Christ, and you've never followed through in believers, biblical believers, baptism, you're living in disobedience to God. And maybe this morning, I don't know your situation. It could be you're like, why is everything all messed up? It's because you haven't got the first thing right. Why don't I feel as close to God as I used to? You didn't get the first thing right. Every believer in the New Testament, I place my faith and trust in Christ, and then I'm baptized. It's never I get baptized and then I get saved, or I get baptized to be saved. I place my faith in Christ, then I follow through in baptism. Just like Jesus was obedient to his heavenly Father, you and I must be obedient to Jesus. Go, all the nations, right? Making disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son. In the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? Let's pray. Father God, I'm just so grateful that we don't, that you didn't just leave it up to us. God, that you clearly in your word show us who's qualified to be baptized and the significance and meaning of it. And God, that it's important and it's incredible and that it's awesome. And God, that you just allow, you connect us as a church family and as believers in the family of God with all other true believers. Lord, we thank you for family. Listen, every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're here this morning, you're a believer. Look, no looking around. And as we go into this time of invitation, please, nobody leave the room unless it's an absolute emergency. You're a believer this morning, and I'm going to be honest with you. Maybe baptism has kind of become, I don't know, it's lost its shine. Maybe in your own heart, your baptism isn't that significant to you or it's so far back. What I would like for you to do, if you're a believer, I would love for you to right now in your mind, just go back to that moment that you were saved. Go back to that time and place where you were baptized and recognize the blessing that God has put on your life, that he saved you, that he redeemed you, and he allowed you, like all the saints of God, to publicly declare Jesus as Lord. And that you had that privilege. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. And right there in your seat, man, maybe you just need to go, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And that first step of obedience, it might have set you up for every step of obedience that followed. But maybe you're here this morning, you're a believer, but you know that your baptism's out of order. 
that you went and you got dunked and submerged. But you know you weren't truly baptized. Because you weren't saved. And it was sometime later when you gave your heart to Christ. And sometime later when you really surrendered your life to Christ. And he saved you. I don't know, man. Maybe it was embarrassment. You were embarrassed. You're like, ah, I went up there and I was baptized. And I know it was years later when I got saved. And uh, I I don't want to do that again. It's like, ah, it's like I was lying. I want to encourage you to put Christ before your pride. If you've never been biblically baptized, I want to encourage you to come so that we can schedule that time. We'll pray with you and rejoice with you. Maybe you were baptized in some other way than what was described this morning. Maybe um, in your tradition, maybe you weren't baptized by immersion. You weren't submerged. I want to encourage you to do that. To get that biblical picture right. The death, the burial, and the resurrection. I want to encourage you to do that. Maybe this morning can be your first step of obedience to who God is calling you to be. As a believer. Or maybe there those of you here this morning and you know that you've never prayed to receive Christ. Maybe you were baptized, but you haven't been saved. You haven't been redeemed. You've never come to that point. And maybe somewhere in the back of your mind, you're, you've been thinking that your baptism, well, I was baptized. I was baptized. And you think maybe that that would do it for you, that it would save you. And uh, I've been baptized. And so I'm in, I'm in the club. I'm good. Look up for just one second. The Bible is really clear. That's not how we're saved. Look at this verse from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. The Bible says, For by grace you have been saved through baptism. No. Not through baptism. And not of yourselves. What does that mean? Not of yourselves. Not of your good works. Not based on your honesty, your integrity, your character, your moral uh, fortitude, your impeccable character. No. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. The only way you can have a gift is to receive it. And if you've never received the gift of salvation that Christ offers, you need to do it today. I don't care if you've been baptized 10 times. You need Christ. And I'm going to say something. Here in a moment, I'm going to encourage people to come forward. I don't even care if you come forward. If you don't know Christ, you know him right there in your seat. Right there in your seat. I'm not trying to trick you into something, talk you into something. You need to be saved, man. Coming, listen, if you've never been saved, your baptism won't save you. And coming and watching other people be baptized, that won't save you either. This isn't like, you know, in Sunday school, you used to get a little star by your name when you showed up and did good, right? That doesn't exist in heaven. You're not getting stars going towards the good. Hopefully you got more stars than you've got red. What well, I don't know. You need Christ. You can only be forgiven through Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And when you've done that, you're ready to be baptized. That's how it's always been for over 2,000 years. And that's how it's going to be until Christ returns. Let's pray one more time. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Listen, you're here. You, you don't know that you're saved or you don't have that security. You don't have that 
in your heart, you're like, brother, I don't, I don't know. Won't you get saved right now? Or maybe God has been speaking to your heart this whole time. You know that you need to get right with God. And today is your day. He brought you here for this moment and for this reason so that he can give you the gift of salvation. Listen, every head bowed, every eye closed. No one's looking around. No one's looking around. Everybody assume a posture of prayer. If that's your prayer, I'm just going to pray with you. I will not call you out. I will not drag you forward, anything like that. This isn't a trick. This is between you and God. I just want to pray with you. If you want to pray to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior right now, just slip your hand up real quick. God bless you. I see you. Who else? God bless you. I see you. God bless you. Who else? Don't wait. Get saved today. Listen, right there, whether you raise your hand or not, why don't you pray a prayer like this? Say, Father God, I'm a sinner and I repent. I turn from my sin and I turn to Jesus. Save me, Jesus. Tell them, say, Lord, I'm putting my faith and trust not in a baptism, not in a, a person, in you alone, in Christ alone. Save me, Jesus. Tell them I'm trusting your death, burial, and resurrection for my salvation. Christ alone. You pray a prayer like that and you're sincere and honest with God and he just saved you. I want to encourage you to come and make that decision public. There are those of you, you need to follow through a biblical baptism. You need to come this morning and do that. There's some of you here this morning, God has been speaking to your heart about becoming of an official part of the Grace Baptist family to join the team, put on the jersey, serve right here, grow right here at Grace. Today's your day. Maybe there's somebody you need to come and pray for, man. Somebody in your family, loved ones who aren't saved. Why don't you come and pray for them? But whatever you do during this invitation, do business with God. Father God, this is yours. I pray that your people will use it for their good and your glory. We love you. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with me?